0: this morning is being with Jesus in resurrection life. God did not create you. God did not provide salvation for you. God did not rise from the dead to give you victory so that you could just survive. God has fashioned you as an overcomer. He has fashioned you to live each day in resurrection life. Matthew chapter 28, and I'll begin reading in verse number 18. And Jesus said and and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, that I have commanded you, and lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I once had a friend at work years ago say, why do you Christians go into all the world? Why do you do that? And I told him, open the Gospel of Matthew. We've been commanded to, to go into all the world by our risen Lord. Turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Two verses from there, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid, I am the first and the last, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Since the middle of March, we've been in a journey, in a series, looking and taking a closer look to Jesus and trying to draw closer to him, all looking to this journey, coming to a conclusion with this day, Resurrection Sunday. We've looked at many different moments in the life and ministry of Jesus. We look at his encounter with the woman at the well in Samaria, we Looked at him healing a blind man who then, when the blind man professed what God had done for him through his son Jesus Christ, the blind man wound up getting excommunicated for loving the man who healed him. We looked at Jesus' wilderness temptation and how by standing upon the Word of God, he defeated the powers of the enemy. And a model for us today. We looked at Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration. A glorious moment but if we look at Luke's account of that it showed that not only was it a wonderful thing to be able to see Jesus hanging out and chatting with Moses and Elijah but what they were saying to him was about the final week where he would be crucified and then last week we looked at his entrance into Jerusalem to begin his passion week what his life had been prepared for his purpose. We opened with Matthew 28. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. You know, a number of people at my job know that for 15 years I refereed high school football. And they ask me, Do you miss it? And I usually then reach for my knees and say, No. Especially when all the football fields on the island went to artificial turf and the ground just didn't give the way it used to, and my knees started to hurt a whole lot more than they used to. But I remember those days on those football fields. You would have, in most of the games, these very fit, very muscular, large young men come onto the field. They were powerful, they were skilled, they were looking to hit somebody. Hopefully, not the referee. And they would behave in a way that gave them the impression that because of their prowess and because of their attitude and because of their size and because of their skill, that they were in charge. They had ability. But as I reminded them when they stepped out of line, I had authority. All it took for me to bring some six foot seven muscular boy to almost tears was to throw a piece of yellow laundry his way. (laughs) And all of a sudden, he would utter with what is probably traditional teenage eloquence, What a do. As the person he just hit is laying on the ground, writhing in pain, he had power. He had ability. But on that field, I had authority. In this world, no matter what goes on, no matter what you see, no matter what nation or person says they have power, Jesus has authority. He tells his disciples as the Gospel of Matthew closes that all authority is given to me on heaven, and on earth. So we've been on this journey. If you knew nothing about any aspect of the Christian faith, it would not require a lot of focused observation for you to come to the conclusion that the holiday known as Easter or Resurrection Sunday is important. We give a lot of time and energy to this holiday We give it to Christmas as well, but Christmas is the beginning of the promise. And yes, two days ago, we focused energy and attention on Good Friday, which is us coming to a place of remembering the greatest sacrifice in human history. And then we come to Resurrection Sunday, the commendation and celebration of Jesus keeping his promise So many people in our culture today make promises, but we have a God who not only makes them, but he keeps his promises. In Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse number 17, just before he enters Jerusalem on that donkey, now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be betrayed and chief priests and scribes. And they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and to crucify. And on the third day, he will rise again. On the third day, he became alive again. And yet, in observing and looking at the Christian calendar and the various moments that we highlight, one could give the impression that Resurrection Sunday might be third in the list given the amount of energy and attention or maybe second depending on how you view Good Friday and it would be easy to look at it that way but I want to proclaim today without the resurrection there is no Easter Sunday without the resurrection there is no Christian faith without the resurrection there is no reason to be in the house of God today I'm going to take that a step further without the resurrection there's no Christianity Paul was clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 14 and if Christ is not risen then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty without this foundational truth the life changing reality that Jesus is alive we are playing games here and truly it's one of the saddest games This is the greatest truth in the Christian faith. Yes, loving other people is very important. And that's part of being a Christian. Ministering to the poor and the downtrodden is part of what we do as believers. And being kind to the stranger and standing up for the marginalized. That's part of being a Christian. These are all truths and principles that are vital to any understanding of the Christian way of life. But none of it matters... As far as being a Christian, without the resurrection, without Jesus coming back, not only to give us resurrection power, but resurrection life. As believers, because Jesus is alive, we can live differently. We can live resurrection existences. But what is the benefit of a resurrection life? Y'all ask such great questions. Resurrection life, first off, can remove all fear. In the passage we read in Revelation, John is given a vision of Jesus Christ in all of his glory, in all of his majesty, and he has the normal human reaction. He falls down and passes out. That's just his body reacting. Then Jesus taps him on the shoulder and says the one, uh, these first three words that all of us need to hear in any situation of life. Do not be afraid. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, chapter 13, verse 6. So we may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you. In due time, verse 7, casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. Because Jesus is alive today, I can have no fear in any day of life. There is so much fear in our world today. And if the world out there is all that there is to you, you need to be afraid. Conflict and strife everywhere. Anger is so elevated, and the reality is the majority of the anger many people feel is motivated and fueled by fear. National fear, racial fear, political fear, all founded in fear. Now let's be clear. We are called as Christians to stand for what is right. We are called to be involved in our society and to influence where we can the way things work. We are called to stand for what is right and against what is wrong. And we are called to define those terms by the word of almighty God. All that's true. But no matter what happens in the world, no matter what I see on TV, no matter who's sitting in the White House, I can live without fear. No matter how many laws are passed, that go against biblical teaching, no matter how far the Christian way of life our world travels, no matter how difficult things get, or how much opposition there is to, li- to living a Christian life, I can live each day with the words that Jesus said to the John the Revelator, do not be afraid. Amen. That's what resurrection life does. All these things that can grip our hearts can be removed. Now, do we care? Of course we care. Of course we do. Now, I've always tended to be, or at least uh, strove to be, a rather even personality. You would think that would be something that people commend. I can't tell you how many times I've been criticized. Saying... Don't you care? Yeah, I do care. I remember an interaction at work with one of the senior IT executives. This was years ago. And we were talking about providing better customer service for one of the areas in the IT department where something was going wrong and trying to find a solution. And so we gathered around in a big meeting in this big table. And he was looking around the table. And he looked at me and a couple other people. And the IT executive said, "I wonder how many of you are losing sleep because of this. How is losing sleep going to make me a better IT person, or better in any way?" So the meeting went on, and we were like people can do—they just bad ideas back and forth. And I introduced one, and everyone was like, "Yeah, we can go that way," and everyone liked the idea. And someone said, "How'd you come up with the idea?" And I guess it was I was in one of my more sarcastic or cheeky moods. I said, I guess I had a good night's sleep last night. <laughs> I know, it probably wasn't the most Christian thing to say. But when you live a resurrection life, fear is gone, like we sang All the things that can create crippling anxiety can be removed from one's life. All the things that can immobilize you and me from being able to move forward in any capacity. With Jesus in your life and living a resurrected life, we can have all of that fear be removed. Now, the fear can be removed. Perhaps not the conditions. You see, what you and I want, what most people want, is I'll stop being afraid when you fix things. I'll stop being afraid when the conditions that made me afraid go away. Aren't you glad that Jesus is powerful and more powerful than your situations? Jesus says to us today, be, don't be afraid. I am alive and I will be forevermore. Now, I want to, as you all know from, from me, I want to interject some balance here. A lack of fear is no excuse for a lack of wisdom or being aware. Many of you were so kind this week. You were praying for me and you texted me, especially on Tuesday, when you heard the reports of the shooting at the subway station in Brooklyn and were asking me, was I okay?" And I appreciate those prayers. And I was. I was fine. In fact, I found out about it because some of you texted me. I wasn't looking at my phone for the various notifications. And on the way home, I was kind of thinking, well, should I take the subways home or not? And then my job offered me and offered any employee the opportunity that if you wanted, we will pay for car service for you to go all the way home, which was very nice of them. Now, I'm certain they were thinking that the majority of their employees who work in New York City live in New York City. I live in Central Islip. (laughs) And when I looked up the cost for that, I went... Okay, it's not coming out of my pocket. So I went and ordered a car to go home. And they said, we'll be there in 10 minutes. And 10 minutes went by. And 15 minutes went by. And 20 minutes went by. And 30 minutes went by. And they said, we're still trying to find someone to take you home. And I said, you know what? And I told this to my wife. I looked up and I said, okay, Jesus, you and me are going into the subways. And I was fine. Now, was I probably more aware than I would normally be given what had happened that morning in Brooklyn? Yes, I was. But the awareness didn't zap me of energy. It didn't take me down to a place where I couldn't function or couldn't breathe until I got out of the subways. I got on the subway and then I got off the subway and Jesus was still Lord. Jesus is alive. And because he is, we can live in resurrection life. And resurrection life can remove all fear. On the heels of that, resurrection life can also provide unimaginable peace. You know the verses from Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I want to dive into three words there peace. In the original language that was used to write the scriptures, that word in Greek meant quietness, an inner rest, and you're being settled. Anyone ever been unsettled before? <laughs> now, this has this peace that he provides has nothing to do with what's going on. This is the peace of God. See, if everything is fine and everything is well and everything is cheery and everything is going as you want it to, that's not the peace he's promised to give you. He's promised to give you peace for the rest of the time. The peace of God, the peace that comes from his perspective. Because no matter what's going on in life, no matter what we see on the news, no matter what's happening in your family, Jesus is still Lord. Jesus is still on the throne. He is still alive today. And that resurrection power can bring you peace. The other word I want to dive into is surpasses, rises above, to see in a superior position, The peace that God gives me is superior and of higher value than anything that goes on in this world today. I am not controlled by my emotions. I am not controlled by your emotions. I am not controlled by the emotions of other people. I am not controlled by difficult situations in my life. I am controlled and overseen by the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And that peace is greater Then what's going on? And then the last word I want to go into is understanding. Human thought, the feeling or ability to understand, it's not going to make sense to people. They're going to say, don't you care? Or what's wrong with you? Or are you truly processing all of this? Now, we need to be real people. But when God gives you a peace it's going to surpass human comprehension Amen. it won't make any sense so i looked at the word peace and surpasses an understanding hopefully i don't have to dive into the word all it surpasses all understanding then paul says it will guard or protect your hearts and minds and it just would take five minutes on the newscast at the end of the day to realize that our hearts and minds need protecting. John chapter 14, verses, verse number 27. Jesus says, peace I leave you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. We are given access to a peace that is beyond human Ability to understand. Peace that goes beyond reason. Peace that won't make sense to anyone. But it's a life-giving and life-sustaining and life-changing peace. Peace only known when your life is centered on one simple and single truth. Jesus is alive. Resurrection life removes fear. Resurrection life provides peace. And resurrection life demonstrates real love. Not the stuff that Hollywood would like to portray as love. But real love. Now, whether or not you're a Bible scholar, whether or not you've been reading the Bible all your life, or whether or not if you're here today and you've never opened a Bible, everyone Everyone knows John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but but have everlasting life. You don't need to go to church to have known that verse. Just watch a football game or a college football game, and you would have seen this verse. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. But God demonstrates His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Love is such a foreign concept to most of our culture today. For many, love is conditional. I'll love you as long as I'm getting something back in the deal. For many, love is physical and physical only. And for many, love is subjective so that it means something different to you than it does to me. But the Bible is clear. God is love. Which means God is the only one qualified to define what love is. Well, that would be great. I wish God would define what love is. Another great question for you to ask. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he does define what love is. Beginning in verse number 4, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That's why he can say at the beginning of verse 8, love never fails. This is what love is. This is what love looks like. Now, emotions and passions may be involved. But the bottom line is a love that doesn't fail requires something. Because as simple human beings, we don't have the capacity to fulfill these things. That's why we need resurrection life and resurrection power to be able to bear all things. Believe all things. Hope for all things. Endure all things. You see, we like the part about being kind. And even not envy. Because we can agree envy is wrong. Don't get puffed up. Don't be rude. We like that. But pastor, endure all things Do you know the creep I'm married to? Endure all things. Endure all things because love never fails. That's the love Jesus has for you and me. This is what love is. A love that doesn't base itself on conditions. Resurrection life is free of fear. It's full of peace, and it's formed by the love of God. This is what Resurrection Sunday or Easter is for Christians. It's not just another reason to overdose on chocolate, as if most people needed a reason. I'm no longer limited only to what is humanly possible. I can stand in resurrection life. I'm no longer only dependent on what others can give me to sustain my heart and mind. I'm no longer bound to a life that rises or falls in circumstances. I can have joy. I can have peace. I can have a good day. I can have a good night's sleep, no matter what's going on around me. (laughs) Thinking about it now, I hadn't thought about it before. really is amazing that when I made that comment years ago that I still have the job I have today. So my loving exhortation to you today is let Jesus remove the fear. Let him remove the fear in your life. Let him fill you with his peace that passes understanding. Pastor, are things going to still bother us? Oh, yeah. Ain't nobody sitting here to me today that's perfect. If you're perfect, If you're perfect, raise your hand. Not one of you better raise your hand. But even in my lack of perfection, through the Holy Spirit, I can walk in a life that is godly through His power. He removes the fear, He fills me with peace, and He is my daily example of how to love other people. You know, it's a mess out there. That's a high theological term, mess. It's an absolute mess out there. i got to figure out how to say that in Greek. But it's an absolute mess out there. And one of the reasons why it's an absolute mess out there is because it's filled with people who are an absolute mess some of which are sitting here today as I look down, not look at anybody's face. <laughs> but we can still love. We can still extend because of a power you and I have been given, a power to do something this world's not capable of. This world loves by condition. If you come over to my tribe, if you follow my ideology, if you agree with what I'm doing, then I can love you. Jesus says, I died for you while you were still my enemy. And I can love you and you can love others the same way. Jesus is alive and by making him your Lord and Savior, by being his disciple, you can be truly alive today as well being with Jesus in resurrection life. That's what this day celebrates. That's what this day is about. Stand with me, please.